All right. Happy Friday, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of FinTech Fridays. I'm Brian View with FinLocker. And on uh, our show today is Doug Wilbur, the CEO of Denim Social. Doug, welcome to FinTech Friday. Hey, what's up, Brian? Thanks for having me. We've been trying to make this happen for a while, so this is uh, it's exciting. This will be both uh, keep very busy calendars. <laughs> yeah, uh, always we're ABC. Always be closing, yeah, you know, right? We're always you know uh, it, out there trying to trying to ring the bell. So, so Doug, I think you've probably seen one or two of these, hopefully. Um, but I, I like to open up the conversation by asking my guests uh, kind of what the term fintech means to you. So let's let's start totally. There. Yeah, you know, it's it's funny is if you had asked me that question five or 10 years ago, or gosh, I don't even know how long it's been that I've been in the financial services space. You know, if you asked me years ago, back in my Discover days, I would have told you that fintech was really, the intention of fintech was to disrupt incumbents. And right. now I fast forward all these years later, and I actually know the true meaning of fintech or the true intention of fintech, which is to support the financial services ecosystem and help companies become more innovative, helped larger financial services firms better serve their customers with newer and innovative technology. It's not about disrupting, it's about empowering and supporting and doing yeah, things doing things faster than they could do on their own. I love it. And that that's, uh, I think we're on our close to our 30th episode and and uh, th that was a pretty unique description <laughs> comparing you know what I had heard prior and I love it because it it is true I think uh, depending on where you kind of first started to get uh, introduced to fintech it was fair to say a decade ago it was all about disruption right yeah totally and it's it's been cool to kind of see where it's evolved I think one could argue that 10 years ago our platforms you know, would not have been considered fintech per se, and yep. I think we we both clearly sit right in the right in that ecosystem mm -hmm. in just different spots. Yep. Uh, well, let's let's. Uh, I want to I want to dive in. Well, first of all, before we dive into denim, you you kind of talk you, you you said a little bit about yourself there. So let's let's kind of backtrack a sure. little bit and just learn a little bit about Doug and and then how you got to denim, and then we can kind of yeah. really. Dive into oh, man, trip down memory lane on a Friday. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, w without going into all the gory detail, you know, I, I got into the financial services space straight out of business school um, when I on a sort of a whim, I, I took a job. Uh, I was living back in Chicago. I took a job with, with a, a company called Discover Card or Discover Financial Services. Some folks may have heard of these guys. And I took the gig with Discover, not because I was interested in selling credit cards. In fact, I'm probably the only person that worked there for as long as I did without selling one credit card. Uh, the reason why I took the gig at Discover was to build new products and attract new consumers to the Discover brand. Um, and so I spent six years up there, um, the first half of my career building proprietary products that carry the Discover name. Um, and then in the back half of my career at Discover, I started working with startups. And this is where that whole idea of not disrupting, right? It was how do yeah. you support innovation? Well, we were doing that at Discover. This is circa 2000, well, gosh, I don't know, 2012, something like that. Um, and, uh, you know, we, we were working with startups like, you know, I mean, I still remember walking into the first office at Square and in trots Jack Dorsey with no shoes and no business card. Um, <laughs> 
so you know it was all about how do you how do you like help and support these companies that are really on to something interesting how do you help and support them um so six years at discover um left discover for frankly my, my first startup which was a a media company called payments.com um it became the first i think potentially only chief revenue officer for that business. We more than doubled revenue in a handful of years. Um, and then it was during that time that I moved down here to St. Louis or uh, a town that I affectionately call son-in-law city. Uh, because if you marry a girl <laughs> from St. Louis, there's a, there's a some, some small print in the, uh, in the agreement that is uh, relocation required. So, so my, but no, we, we love it down here. My wife and I moved down here about eight years ago uh, to be closer to her family, raise our kids down here. And I got involved um, with an organization uh, called 630, which was just getting off off the ground at the time, uh, early stage venture um, with a, a sales enablement accelerator tied to it. And so I originally just got involved as a mentor, uh, became an advisor to the fund, and now I'm on the investment committee. Um, and and my journey to Denim um, really started there. Um, we had made an, an early bet uh, or an early investment on a, a different iteration of what the company was at that time. And unfortunately, as, as what happens with so many startups, it wasn't exactly working out the way that we thought. Um, and so, right. um, you know, I was I was tapped by the board to come in uh, to Denim and, and really um, reposition the company for what we are today, which is uh, a sales enablement platform specifically designed around empowering people to connect with people. And if you think about the financial services space and specifically mortgage, people buy from people. It's why we have a yeah. loan officer in the first place, right? right. Um, and our job at Denim Social is to make it easier for loan officers to stay connected to the communities that they serve. And whether that is by directly engaging with potential customers or equally as important, staying connected to their channel partners, whether those are real estate agents, house flippers, contractors, you name it, um, by staying more active on social media and compliantly more active on social media and also recognizing the fact that most loan officers, frankly, are just aren't going to be good at social media without a lot of help from marketing. Uh, that's where, right. that's where they, the, the marketing teams come in and, and get a lot of value from our platform uh, by being able to create, schedule, and publish content on behalf of those loan officers. So LOs get the benefit of social media um, and you know the marketing teams get to make sure that best practices are adhered to. So you uh, you said a few things there that kind of uh, piqued my interest: loan officers, marketing, and compliance. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. And so let's let's uh, let's poke a little bit at that because I think uh, yeah I think at its at your core uh, you enable loan officers, but you really support kind of that brand awareness, uh, the, those marketing kind of tasks, if you will. But what I really what I really love about the, the platform is how you've built it in a way that uh, promotes compliance within the enterprise. So yeah, sure. Maybe, maybe yeah. drill into that a little bit for us. Yeah. So, you know, we, we, we sort of, when we think about how to get success from social media and just really drilling into what matters, right. And, and what matters is maintaining a presence on social media. What matters is establishing trust and credibility um, you know, there's, there was just a study that came out uh, earlier this week about uh, millennials and their home buying intentions and how much research they do, right? And inevitably, because these are folks who grew up in and around social media, yeah. when they are vetting 
who they're going to work with, right? Not only are they going to look at five, six, eight different options, but they're going to go on your Facebook page. They're going to go on your Instagram. They're going to troll you on LinkedIn. They're going to go check you out as a loan officer. And if you don't have any content on your page, they're going to DQ you right. because you're not going to be viewed as somebody that is trustworthy and, and worthwhile of their time and energy, right? Um, the challenge in all of that is making sure that you've got enough content, right? So content, and, and I'll, I'll get to the compliance piece on this, but yeah. the, the most important part of being present on social media is frankly being present on social media, saying something, right? And that's where the marketing team comes in and the marketing team using our platform, we have a content engine built into our platform that makes it dead easy for a marketing person to build out an editorial schedule on behalf of one or all of their loan officers at scale. Yeah. Right. So when we think about compliance, we think about compliance through the lens of proactive compliance, not reactive compliance. And so many of our competitors think about compliance from a reactive perspective. Oh, if a post goes up that compliance doesn't like, we can just pull it down. Right. Right. That's the reactive way to think about it. And from our perspective, it's already too late, right? Even if one person has seen that post before it got pulled down, it still got out there, Yeah. right? I mean, think about how many pro athletes tweet something, it gets screenshots, they take it down, it's still out there. Yeah, nailed it, right? <laughs> so our viewpoint on, on compliance is, let's be proactive about compliance. First of all, let's, let's make it easy for marketing teams who understand compliance, first and foremost. They also understand your brand. They also stand, understand your tone your voice, so they've completely reduced your your risk exposure, not just from a compliance perspective, but from a brand and reputational risk perspective as well, right? So we make it easy for marketers to be able to find content. We make it easier for them to create content at scale uh, on behalf of their loan officers. And then the compliance engine kicks in. And the compliance engine means who approves the content? When did it get rubber stamped? Is it this a post that needs to be approved by marketing, by compliance, by both, right? What keywords are included in this post that may give a compliance officer a little bit of heartburn? Let's filter those posts out for an additional level of review. Let's make sure we're archiving all content and make it easy for a compliance officer to produce a compliance report, right? And so everything that we do, because we only service the financial services industry and we all come from this industry, is to make sure that we adhere to compliance best practices. And whether it's what the SEC puts out for guidelines, the FDIC, the FFIEC, whatever the governing body is who produces the guidance on compliance for social media, we've built our compliance engine with those best practices in mind, right? And so compliance officers, it's it's really interesting. Like when we talk to a compliance officer, we'll say, hey, like what's, you know, um, you know, what's prohibited you guys from letting your loan officers be more active about building a business on social? And they said, well, we're terrified of what they're going to say. <laughs> and I said, well, what if I put the control in the hands of your marketing people and I gave you the authority to be able to rubber stamp that content before it leaves your front door? And they say, I'm all in. Yeah. Let's do it. Well, so compliance the, officers love us. And yeah, the reality, though, is absent a platform like yours, what's happening out there is that loan officers are putting out content on their own. Right. And that's oh, 100 percent. Yeah, 100 percent. And then, it, you know, and then you'll you know, the compliance officer will hear about something that, you know, gets the attention of a compliance officer, which is never a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> right. And then they're stuck. Like, what do you do? You tell the guy to take it down. 
but a lot of people have already seen it. Maybe it goes viral. We've heard some horror stories about some content that's just, you know, snowballed. Oh, yeah. I, uh, on, so on I, the marketing I said, people, and they don't know what to do. In a prior life, I, I ran large production channels in the mortgage business. And mm-hmm. um, both I, I, I managed both loan officers and account executives, right, in two different kind of life uh, lifetimes. And, and this was before, you know, platforms like denim were out there and 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 so and it was really when social media was just becoming a place for people to do business or to to build awareness and it was i'd go i wouldn't go five business days without a call or an email from our compliance department yeah. saying oh look what such and such did and you know like totally, <laughs> totally. so uh, i totally yeah. appreciate um what yeah. you guys do i want to i want to Rewind though, because there was a piece in there when you started talking that that really uh, I think is important to, to highlight. You you talked about being present on social media, right? Let's set aside compliance for a moment because that that is uber important, and I mm-hmm. think it's super critical for what you guys do. But your your comment that being present or uh, being being on social media and being present and active is critical, and, and I. I always thought about, um, I, I probably always thought about social media as a place to go sell and, and market mm-hmm. products, Yeah. but you nailed yeah. it uh, and, and, and presented in a way that I hadn't necessarily thought about, which is if, if, I'm a, if I'm a loan officer worth my salt, yes, every, you know, every young consumer that I seek to do business with, so most of the first-time home buyers are going to be checking me out. And if I don't have anything on yep. there that talks about my business, what I do, who the company is that I work mm-hmm. for, you know, product services, who I've helped, they're, yep. they're not going to, they're, they're not going to engage with me. So I, I, totally. I love that and, piece and of it. We, we say we coach our customers all the time when specifically when thinking about building out editorial schedules for their LOs, the, the strategy that we recommend for them is to educate first, sell second. Yeah. That's why we go on social media in the first place, right? Yeah. And you and I speak at tons of different conferences, right? I mean, I've seen you up on the big stage and likewise. And one of the things I, I routinely do when I'm up on stage is, you know, I mean, it's not like we're saying the most like provocative stuff. We're not the most, we try to be entertaining up on stage, <laughs> right? But inevitably you start to see the eyeballs sort of dip down to their screens. And they're, and I, I always use that when I see the eyeballs start to dip down, I use it as an opportunity to say, the next time you're doom scrolling on social media, like many of you are right now, yeah. stop and pay attention to the content that you engage with. And I will tell you through everything that we know at Denim Social, that you are more likely to stop scrolling and engage, whether it's on an Instagram feed, a Facebook feed, a LinkedIn feed, Twitter feed, TikTok, whatever it is you're more likely to stop and engage when the content is coming from one, someone you know, and two, when that person is educating you, not selling something. Right. Those two things in combination, which frankly are the two hardest things for many financial services firms to be able to execute if you don't have a platform like ours. Right. How do you humanize your brand and how do you educate, right? When so many of them are just accustomed to using social media as a sales a specifically a direct response sales channel, yeah. which is not what social is, is designed to be. Social is designed to be a place where you go to interact. That's why it's called a social network. Right. To engage, right? Not be sold to. 
And so when we're coaching our customers about their editorial schedules and how to get value from the investment they've made in denim, it really just comes down to educate first, sell second, specifically when you're producing content for your LOs. How, so how do, you, how do you help your clients think about the, the ROI on denim, right? Um, mm-hmm. Because it's, it's more than just how many loans this loan officer did in a given period, right? Yep. What, what are some of the factors mm-hmm. that you, you guys kind of drill into to, to demonstrate that, that, yeah. that tangible and somewhat intangible return? Yeah, so you know, I'll, I'll start with the the how we see the world from a metrics perspective, and so many of our competitive brethren have really, um, they've really, for better or for worse, taught the market to think to to really care about likes, right? <laughs> like, what are the vanity metrics on a social post, and that's how we're going to measure the ROI: is how many likes do we have, and how many followers do we have, and you know, whatever, and. In our viewpoint here at, at Denim, and, and it's because we know how this industry works, is that it's not just one singular touch point that's actually going to be the silver bullet that leads to a new loan. Yeah. Right? It's a it's a body of work on behalf of that loan officer to stay present and educate the marketplace. And so ultimately the way that we measure ourselves is once you before you were using denim to manage your social media, and then let's fast forward six or twelve months later, right? What does the business look like now relative to what it looked like before? Right. Are your loan officers driving more referral business? Right. And we had a, um, there was an interesting story that came out in the American Bankers Association, or no, not American. It was uh, American Banker. That's what it was. American Banker interviewed a bunch of uh, financial institutions that were active on social media. And they interviewed the People's Bank of Washington. They didn't call us because why would they? Um, but they interviewed the People's Bank of Washington. It was a customer of ours. And to paraphrase the quote that the, the marketing leader over there put out was that when their loan officers go dark on social media, they see a material drop in referrals. And then they come back live on social media and the referrals come back. Yeah. And so for us, we know what we do matters, right? And that's why we are in the process right now of getting closer and closer to that moment of truth. And we're, we're building out integrations with partners in the industry, right? Whether they be CRM providers, reputation management providers, um, loan origination systems, et cetera, where a lot of that actual sales process is happening. We're building out integrations into those platforms to make it even easier to measure. Yeah, I love it. Um, Did a social post ultimately lead to a better, deeper relationship with a customer? Um, And it's not just, frankly, it's not just on social publishing. And so many people think about when they think of social media, they think about just the stuff that shows up as a post in my feed. Um, there's an upper boundary to the value that social publishing has. And that upper boundary is the number of first degree connections that an individual loan officer has. And the way that you break through that upper boundary is you couple together social publishing and social media advertising. And we really are the only platform that gives a marketer the ability to, to manage on behalf of a loan officer, manage social publishing as well as social media advertising, create one ad. But when that ad hits the feeds of the, of the social networks, it's personalized for that specific loan officer all the way down to the zip code that that loan officer sells into. Yeah. So how do we break beyond those first three connections? How do we build a deeper level of connection with the communities that these loan officers serve? It's a combination of social publishing and social advertising 
ultimately driving to a no-code drag-and-drop landing page builder that we, we have, right? So we're funneling the leads. We're creating an engagement on social. We're funneling that activity off of social as quickly as possible. And then ultimately, once they've filled out a form and they've taken the necessary step into the CRM, right. we can track it as a new, new lead. Love it. That's what we're focused on. Yeah, you, you, you covered a, a ton of ground there. And, and I think it's important that people understand it's that, first of all, you know, if you're not on social and you're just starting, you're not going to next Friday, you're not going to be able to pull up your stats and see <laughs> see that your activity last week that you just started yep. resulted in anything. This is a this is a process yep. that you have to build out. Mm -hmm. uh, yep. And and then, you know, I think uh, I, th I think when you talk about the the other ways to measure uh, success that ultimately are going to lead to ultimate success, which in, in mortgages writing more loans, right? It, it's, yep. you know, whether it's creating a, a, a bigger set of followings for the loan officer, which then by ex by extension, mm -hmm. that's a bigger set of followers for the, the bank or the yep. mortgage company itself. Yep. Um, yep. I love it. So how- yeah. uh, This is one thing we hear all the time. You just, you just put a, uh, not to interrupt you, but you just put a thought in my head is, we were having a conversation a few weeks ago with a, a fairly large uh, mortgage shop, um, a Midwest-based, I won't name who they are, um, but Midwest-based mortgage shop, and and we got a little bit of pushback during the during the demo, and they said, "Hey, you know, why would we why would we invest all this energy into developing the personal profiles of our loan officers? They're just going to leave us uh, anyway." <laughs> and I kind of took a step back, and I'm like, oh, "That's kind of weird, weird thought." I said. Well, what are you going to do if you don't? Where, yeah. What are they going to do if you don't invest in them? Right. They're just going to leave. And <laughs> yeah, they're, they're definitely going to leave if you don't invest, right? And so that's another thing that we're hearing more and more is investment in good technology that empowers loan officers to do a better job at their job. Yeah. Right? The, those types of investments pay themselves back in spades just in terms of not having turnover within your LO rights, right? right? Um, everybody wants sticky customers, but you also want sticky employees. Yeah, if you're if and, you're in the if you're in the distributed retail business, your first customer is your loan officer. <laughs> yeah, hundred percent. If you don't take care of them and retain them, you you don't have a chance at the customer at the consumer. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, it's in, it's it's interesting how you know still today in twenty twenty one. There's still a mentality that that you described with that 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 mortgage company, and mm -hmm. they're you know the reality for that company is they're not they they won't be around for much longer if that's truly the yeah the way well, think about life yeah I mean and it's it's you just have to fundamentally understand and we say this all the time is that in financial services people buy from people. yeah and whether it's loan officers in, in a mortgage shop or your wealth advisor your commercial lender your small business banker you know because we serve your insurance agent yeah right. There's all these stats out there about how much the net promoter score for the brand increases when the customer has an interaction with their insurance agent. Yeah, it's a people business. Yep. I am. Yeah, I'm, I'm more convinced of that than ever. And you know, and there's going to be, mm -hmm. you know, we obviously in mortgage, there's a couple big big brands that that aren't that are known by the consumer, whether there's a person behind it or not. At the end of the day, but yep. By and large, still the majority of the business is still done kind of the old school way with with 
a loan officer yeah. who manages that relationship and kind of owns it. Yeah, and, and the reason why that model works is because it matters. Yeah. I mean, if you think about, I mean, you know, your home is your largest asset yeah. as a human, right? Is your largest asset. It's the biggest thing you'll ever, the most expensive thing you'll ever buy. Yeah. Right? Of course you want to talk to a person. Right. Of course you want to have a relationship with your loan officer. This is this is material, right? This matters. It's not like, you know, it's not just about rate. Right. Right? So, I mean, the rate obviously matters, but it's about the relationship you have and can they get you into the right loan product? Totally agree. Totally agree. Well, this has been awesome, Doug. I, I, as always, yeah, I learned a little bit more about what uh, what Denim's doing. I love love seeing kind of you out there on the circuits, but it's nice to be back on the, the conference uh, circuit again. I know. We saw you like, I don't know, like six weeks in a row. Yeah. We were like high-fiving in every conference. And, and yeah, we can't good. seem to get together in St. Louis, which is where our companies are based. So go yeah, figure. Next time. Next time. Yeah. Next time. Next time. Well, thanks for for joining, Doug. I appreciate you coming on and uh, enjoy uh, enjoy the, the, the end of the year. I understand your uh, team's moving into a new dig. So congratulations on the new We're success. growing. We're, we're growing like crazy. Um, staffing up. We just closed our Series B a couple weeks awesome. ago. So off the, off the back of that, um, you know, cash infusion gives us the ability to go and, and grow the squad and build more product and ship it faster and, and really become part of that sort of just like Finlocker, be, be part of that default uh, MarTech stack right. for our customers, right? And, and as we're hearing over and over again is that we are part of the default setting now. Uh, for our customers, and so this will just give us opportunity to better serve them. I love it. Well, everybody, if you're if you're uh, looking for Doug on on uh, the web, it's Denim Social. Uh, check him out. DenimSocial.com uh, for sure. Doug's very active on LinkedIn as well, so so check him out out there. Again, Doug, thanks for joining me on FinTech Fridays, and everybody, we'll see you next next Friday. Hey, thanks, Brian.